This is Take Charge Your Health with Corrine Fernari, clinical nutritionist, physician assistant, and Carol Peterson, pharmacist. Listen, learn, and I hope you enjoy the show. Bye. Welcome back. This is Take Charge of Your Health with Corrine Fernari, clinical nutritionist and physician assistant, and my co-host, Carol Peterson, pharmacist. Every week, we present you with new and creative ways to help you make sense of health information and bring it home to you and your family. With years of clinical experience between us and research into traditional and cutting-edge technologies, we give you practical information to help you take charge of your health. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Carol Peterson, your host for today. I'm a, a registered pharmacist and I'm also certified in nutrition. So today we have something really special. And we should have talked about this a long time ago. We have a, a discussion on something that really got started several decades ago. And what's happened several decades ago was the FDA approved a drug called naltrexone, 1984. And here in New York City, there was a Dr. Bernard Bahari who took a look at this particular drug. This drug was designed to cause a blockage of the body's endorphins. And it was intended, these natural pain relievers, euphoric molecules in your body, it was intended that these molecules would be blocked by this drug. And in blocking that feeling that it could be used for people who were addicted to alcohol and various drugs, Dr. Bernard Bahari started looking at its relationship with the immune system. And he did some very exciting work starting in 1985 using this in very, very low doses. I have a really special guest today to discuss LDN, specifically low-dose LDN. Her name is Linda Elsegood, and she has done a phenomenal, phenomenal effort in bringing to the world the, the use of low-dose naltrexone and how successful this has been to help people with a whole variety of diseases. Welcome, welcome to Take Charge of Your Health, Linda. Welcome to our show, and let's let's have a little bit of a story. What's your story of a low-dose naltrexone and how it came into your life and what you've done with all of that? Okay, well, thank you very much for having invited me, Carol. First of all, I have to point out I am not a medical professional. I do not have any medical qualifications of any sort, um, but I have been working with LDN and 
thousands of doctors, pharmacists around the world in the last 18 years. Now, I have multiple sclerosis and I was told back in 2003 that I was secondary progressive MS and nothing more could be done for me. Now at that time you could draw a line right down the, the middle of my forehead, my nose, my chin, right the way down, divide my body into two. The left hand side was numb with pins and needles. Very, very painful. Um, you think if something is numb that you haven't got any feeling, but it actually heightened the feeling. So even a sheet rubbing on my left hand side was really painful. I lost the hearing in my left ear. I had double vision. I had cognitive problems. It was as if English had become my second language. I couldn't recall vocabulary. I spoke very slurred as if I'd had a stroke. So I would try desperately hard to put a sentence together in my head, which made sense to me. But when it came out, nobody understood me. Um, that was very upsetting. I also was choking on my food. I had no balance. So, and I had vertigo. I spent a lot of time on the floor because I used to furniture walk, wall walk, and then fall over. The leg strength in my left leg used to come on and then suddenly it was as if somebody had turned off a switch and the, the whole strength would go and I would fall over. I had chronic fatigue, such bad fatigue. Um, I was only awake like four hours a day. I just slept, which was such a blessing because once I got to sleep, I didn't know all the pain I was in. I had restless legs, twitching muscles, burning limbs, and I can remember I had this sensation that just at the base of my skull that I had got water trickling down my back and I could feel the water trickling down. It was my body playing tricks on me, but um, it, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. So, you know, cognitive wow. couldn't do anything. <laughs> Fatigue-wise, I couldn't do anything. and. My neurologist examined me and he got me to do lots of tests and I can remember how upset I was. He got me to try and walk by, like you test drunk people, put yes. heel toe, <laughs> heel toe, while uh -huh. I had to hang on to everything and still couldn't do it. I was so upset with myself because I knew I could do it, <laughs> uh -huh. but I couldn't do it. You know, um, that was really upsetting. Um, okay, let me um, just interject here a second. This mm -hmm. is a call-in program today, and I want to give the number out. Uh, you, you gave us really a wonderful detailed description of what MS feels like. Uh, our number is 212-209-2877 if you'd like to call in as we're talking about uh, low-dose naltrexone. And in this case, we're talking about... Um, how it affected Linda and uh, her MS diagnosis and treatment. So go ahead, Linda, what happened then? Yes, <laughs> so the neurologist got me to do this test and other tests. Uh, I'd had, um, prior to, to this uh, meeting, every three months I was having a relapse. And if you think of my quality of life as a ladder, I would 
have a relapse and I would drop probably six rungs on this ladder and then I would gradually go up maybe two rungs and then wham I had another relapse so how I describe it is my normal kept becoming less and less it, it, it was quite scary um, had three courses of intravenous steroids three-day intravenous steroids in an 18-month period which blew me up I'm a pale person and I look like a red beach ball I was terrible and the amount of weight that that put on me um, I'd had up to new writers um, such a long ago now it's hard to remember everything but I was not in a good place so after he'd examined me he helped me to sit down across his desk I don't know why he got me to sit down and he put, <laughs> his, hand across, he put his hand across the desk shook hands with me and said I'm really sorry to tell you your secondary progressive MS and there's nothing more we can do for you and as he said the last sentence he had got up and he opened the door to show me out that was it there was no plan b there was no oh. well, we could look at diet we could look at supplements we could try right, this right. Try, there was nothing there's nothing more we can do for you and i said to my husband i felt as though he was saying go home and die quietly don't make a fuss you're an embarrassment you know we just want to get yeah. you out of here and I had such bad pains in my head. Um, the size of a standard wine glass, that's the area the pain was in my head. But it, it wasn't consistent. It could be the front left, the back right, it moved. So I was telling people about this pain that moved and I could see the look in their eyes thinking, does she know what she's talking about type of thing? <laughs> It wasn't always in the same place, but it, it really yes. did move. And I, why it moved, I have got no idea. And I, I had also a feeling when I walked, it was like walking on crushed glass with stinging nettles thrown in. It was so painful, I could barely bear to put my feet on the floor, let alone walk. And that was so, really so yeah, so how did you? go from that doctor's visit with such a grim ending well, to looking for something else. Well, it, it, it gets worse. Um, I oh, no. <laughs> in such pain, um, and things were so different then. This was in 2002, maybe. Um, I'd spoken to the receptionist at the doctor's and said that I was in all this pain and I hadn't got any more painkillers. And the doctor actually came out. My husband was working away and I was home alone. But my next door neighbour used to pop in to look after me. So the doctor came in, he gave me this pot of very strong painkillers and he went and fetched me a glass of water and I said to him, how long do you think it will be before I start to feel a little bit better? So he thought about it and he said, I think if you were going to feel any better you would have done by now oh. so he went and our oh, life was horrible um in as much as my parents were really upset if we could take it away from you we would willingly have it 
Wow. So, so you were really at the end of anybody's rope as far as humanly possible. So then what happened? Where, where did the doors open? So, um, <laughs> I was really contemplating on taking all these pills. Uh -huh. I'm sorry, just... Oh. Yeah, it's hard to uh, do that again. My 15-year-old daughter would have been the person to find me. Uh -huh. Oh. <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. Um, so the only option was I'd got to prove everybody wrong. Uh -huh. But where to start? Um, back in... 2002 the internet wasn't like it is today um, it, it was hard to find information so I I went I'd lost my bowel and bladder control as well so I was oh. visiting the to toilet all the yes. time but yeah. when I got up I could sit for 10 minutes that's it 10 minutes and then oh. I had to go to sleep I, I was so tired I couldn't keep awake so I was trying to find other people with MS to find out what they were doing. I uh -huh. knew I wasn't unique. I knew there were thousands of people around the world who'd got MS, if not more, maybe millions, I don't know, um, as to what they were doing. And I managed to find some people in the US who were using LDN. And some of them uh -huh. have been using it since you were saying um, that they were actually Dr. Paris patients going back to uh -huh. 1985. So everyone was saying the same, if it doesn't do you any good, it's not going to do you any harm. Uh -huh. I didn't really care at that point. No, side effects, you know, uh -huh. I would have tried it anyway, because there was nothing else to try. Uh -huh. So I, um, it was, it's, naltrexone is a prescription only drug, therefore LDN is a prescription only drug. I'd got to find somebody who would prescribe it for me. Now, mm -hmm. by this time, my GP, my general practitioner, had retired, and I had a young lady doctor who looked similar age to my eldest daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she, okay. was, she was older, but she looked very, mm -hmm. very young. And I took the information and I explained what it was, and it was so refreshing because she could look me in the eye. My old doctor couldn't look me in the eye because he couldn't fix me. Mm -hmm. Him that he couldn't fix me. Mm -hmm. um, so she said to me, I'll read it, I will speak to the partners in the practice and find out if they'll let me prescribe it for you. Come back in two weeks. So I went back and she said, I'm really sorry, they won't allow me to prescribe. But oh, no. if it was me, I'd want to try it. So if you can find somebody to prescribe it for you, I'll monitor you. Now, I thought that was really kind, so I didn't feel as though I was being abandoned. Um, mm -hmm. I got a co-pilot with me um, mm -hmm. on my journey. So I then found um, a Dr. Bob Lawrence, a doctor in Wales, who sadly has passed away now, and he agreed to prescribe it for me. Now, he told me, and in those days, people started on three milligrams for a month and then went up to 4.5. That is not the case today. Some people start with half a gram, you know, yeah. or 1.5. Anyway, the protocol has changed. 
That's in contrast to the 50 milligrams that it comes at. Exactly. Yes, the 50 milligrams are also taken three times a day. So people take, for addiction, um, 150 milligrams a day. Uh And when it was trialled back in the 70s, it was only found harmful to the liver in doses of 300 milligrams a day. So you can see how really safe a drug it is. But Dr. Lawrence said to me that, you know, I might have sleep disturbance, vivid dreams, an upset stomach. And I was thinking to myself, I want all of these side effects. <laughs> so I took it, nothing. I could have been taking saccharin, did absolutely nothing. And then suddenly, three weeks later, because living in my head at that time was like living in a television set that wasn't tuned in. You know, the the brightness uh-huh. wasn't right, the contrast wasn't right. I couldn't hear, I couldn't see. And, and suddenly it was as though that television set was slowly being tuned in and it was amazing. Um, it did take me another 18 months to, to get to where I am today. But in case of, okay, now I've found something that has given me back hope for the future and a quality of life. Yes, I have MS. No, I can't do everything I used to do. But with planning and being careful, you know, I'm not complaining at all. So what did I want to do with this knowledge? Did I want to say, I'm okay, I'll get on with my life? Or do I want to help those people that were in the deep dark place that I was in? Well, it was a no-brainer. So um, I founded the LDN Research Trust in 2004, in February. So we've been going... 18 and a bit years. Uh, We've helped hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Um, We work with doctors, pharmacists, researchers. We organize LDN conferences. And wherever you hold a conference, it's never in the right place for everybody. So we always live stream it. So anybody who's got fast internet can join in. And education is key. And the number of consultants now that prescribe LDN is amazing. I mean, pain specialists, gastroenterologists, um, dermatologists, gastroenterologists, uh, rheumatologists, people at the top of their game who are uh-huh. seeing that people are getting good results with LDN. It, it's truly amazing. Now, um, you have a website, and we'll repeat it at the end, but it's the ldnresearchtrust.org. I have that right? And yes. you have a phenomenal amount of information that you have there. Uh, I want to also say that you're author or compiler of two books, the LDN book, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Uh, with with incredible amount of research in there, you have uh, listings for pharmacies where you can have this low dose naltrexone compounded for you. You have practitioner lists. You have unbelievable amount of data. And I was just thinking, all oh, this started in, well, let's say 1985 with Dr. Bahari. They say it takes 50 years for something to be. Uh, generally accepted and maybe we're right on track because it's been a long time <laughs> uh, and the amount of 
work and the amount of information that you were able to spearhead and bring together, I just want to maybe interject here a little bit of my own experience, why I even was, was aware of this. I um, did read a book way back when, Up the Creek Without a Paddle, uh, Marianne Boyle Bradley, her book, I thought was astonishing. And then, um, I can't even read my writing. Uh, it's, it's Julia Shopik's uh, book on um, taking charge of your health and advocating and getting LDN for any number of, of autoimmune situations. So I was working in a pharmacy, and one of our pharmacists had a boy who was diagnosed with autism. And in his journey, he connected with a doctor who wished to try low-dose naltrexone on some of his autistic patients. And we compounded at that time just a, a liquid solution of LDN. I can't remember if we flavored it or not, but that was he did an in-office study. The results were never, were never published, but... Some children did very well, and some children it didn't apparently help. So that was my background, and I was fortunate enough to come to a couple of your conferences. And it's overwhelming, all the uh, situations that LDN can be useful for. You mentioned the medical uh, specialties, but could you uh, elaborate a little bit more, like, what... Um, kind of diseases or situations have been successfully treated with LDN? Okay, well, you said at the beginning that LDN helps boost the endorphins, which is the body's own natural feel-good factor and painkiller. We have since learned that it works on the toll-like receptors as well, which reduces the inflammation in the body. Now, all chronic diseases have high inflammation and there I mean LDN is good for bringing down the inflammation as is using um, diet and supplements there are other things you can do to to help that um, but if a chronic disease has an autoimmune component we know that LDN has a really good chance of working. For example, rheumatoid arthritis, um, type 1 diabetes, hyperthyroidism, hyperthyroidism, Hashimoto's, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, many chronic pain conditions. Now, we have a radio show and I've interviewed, I think we've got about 3,000 archived shows where I've interviewed doctors, researchers, pharmacists, and patients. And I had this lady who had um, osteoarthritis uh -huh. in her tockics, and she was in a lot of pain. She couldn't sit, couldn't move, couldn't do anything, and again, nothing more could be done with her. And she wanted to share her LDN story. And I was thinking to myself, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, get that. There's a uh -huh. autoimmune component there. But osteoarthritis doesn't have an autoimmune component. Why does it work? 
and I interviewed her and she was saying how well that the LDN had helped with her pain. So I then was talking to more pain specialists and rheumatologists and again they were confirming that there are patients without autoimmune component that LDN works really really well on pain. We also have a really good um, documentary on opioids and LDN. Um, it was our way of trying to help with the opioid crisis. So many people have become legal drug addicts through fault of their own, purely uh -huh. on medic uh, prescription medication painkillers. Right, right. And um, Dr. Samyadev Data um, was telling me um, about his patients that he'd managed to wean off of opioids and put on LDN, and the LDN was working even better. So we went to see him, he's in New Jersey, to film him talking about it and interviewing some of his patients. And he said to me, um, we want to, I wanted you to hear from my patients as well as myself, because I want you to hear their stories. Now, when you talk to somebody who's been in a terrible place and they want to tell you how awful it was, what happened, you know, how they found LDN, and it can take 20 minutes or so to hear story. And he said to me, so I'd like to introduce you to my patients. And he opened this door, and it's the truth, the whole circumference of the room was full of patients. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be wow. here two days. <laughs> all these stories. Um, uh -huh. But it, it was so humbling. It was very emotional hearing these stories and he had uh, an RN who uh, injured her back or something and she'd been on heavy duty long-term opioids for like 20 years but her pain level was still like a, a 9 or a 10 but she couldn't stop the opioids even though <laughs> they weren't working and she found out about LDN and Dr. Data and asked him if he would prescribe it for her. So he said, you know, okay, now with microdosing, and nobody listening should try this on their own, it has to be under medical supervision. So don't think you can do it yourself. You could go into withdrawal, end up in ICU, not recommended. Uh -huh. um, but by using really microdosing like 0 0.001 the amount of naltrexone is smaller than a grain of sugar you know it's very very minimal but what it does is it makes opioids more effective so that means the patient can start to titrate down on the opioids uh -huh. and at the same time they titrate up on this microdose of LDM and this, this nurse, um, my, my 15 year old, after having looked after me for so long, became a nurse. <laughs> nurses um, uh, think they, they know best for themselves, yes. you know? Uh -huh. I was yes. trying to put it very diplomatically. But anyway, yeah. Dr. Samuel Devdatta told this lady she'd got to go slow and she was having none of it. 
you know i'm i'm going to do it quicker than this i know my body i will check with you and all this kind of thing and i can't remember how many weeks it was but it was like lightning in my book that she came off of these opioids that she'd been addicted to for 20 years and still being in pain she had transitioned from the opioids to ldn and her pain um you can listen to it on the documentary i think it might be a three or a four where she can feel the pain but it doesn't stop her from doing her daily activities and these people in this room this room full of people were all telling me sim similar things you know and and crying and saying if i'd only known about ldn however many years ago i wouldn't have had to suffer so much i mean it was as i say very very emotional and humbling what these people had been through yeah that's a it's a huge problem i just read a book about this whole opioid thing and blew me away kind of changed changed my mind yet i was i was thinking linda what do you think i was thinking way back when before we started doing synthetic and really powerful derivatives like tincture of opium might be the natural equivalent for low dose naltrexone but i don't know it's my theory <laughs> yeah um Getting away no. from opioids has to, has to be a good thing, but there are certain cases where you need the opioid painkillers. It's yeah. just a case of not abusing them and not being um, dependent on them. Yeah the, yeah, the trouble is the popularity of oxycodone um, for any little pain, and people have become addicted with a dental procedure and their dentist giving them oxycodone, they take one or two tablets and then they're hooked. They can't get off. It's, it's really mm -hmm. a tragedy. But I think we're making some gains. And in that area, certainly we have heightened awareness. Um, I just um, was at an A4M meeting, but I didn't see this, but I had reported that somebody was doing LDN pellets for weight loss. Had, had you heard anything like this? No, I haven't. Um, yes, I mean, the yen that I'm talking about for autoimmune diseases and pain, etc., yeah. is rapid release. You know, it, you can't have a prolonged release, which is what it would be in a pellet. That's right, that's right. You're absolutely right now. So, I uh, and as the, I say, I'm not medical. <laughs> so no, I don't know how that works, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take um, that back and say no, that doesn't make sense. But yes, so the mechanism is that it does block those receptors. You get a temporary block of your endorphins, but it's short because of the rapid activity on and off of receptors. And then in response, your body puts out more endorphins, and so people who really probably have been struggling from a um, deficiency now have adequate amounts and it, uh, there's there's wonderful connections to the immune system as we were talking about I find it interesting that one of the areas where LDN works extremely quickly and effectively is the gut people who are uh, struggling with 
irritable bowel and all kinds of colitis seem to get very rapid relief. Um, can you verify that? Is that one of the most yes. rapid um, resolving um, things? And why, why might that be? Our, one of our medical advisors, um, Dr. Leonard Weinstock, is a gastroenterologist and he is amazing. Um, he has worked on writing lots of papers um, with Dr. Jill Smith as well. She um, did the first Crohn's study um, and a paediatric Crohn's, but colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, leaky gut, um, irritable bowel disease, uh -huh. all of these different problems that you have with the gut. You also, uh, I mean, LDN isn't the magic bullet that is going to fix everything. If you, if you don't exercise, if you eat junk food, if you don't take um, vitamins, minerals and supplements that you may be deficient in, your body isn't going to work correctly. You know, LDN can only do so much. So working with somebody who can work with you to find out what you are deficient in and what um, could help work alongside LDN is really important. So I want to take a little break here. This is Carol Peterson. I'm your host today of Take Charge of Your Health. We're speaking with Linda Elsica. She started the LDN Research Trust, which is dedicated to getting the word out of the effectiveness of using a, a drug that was initially started for the use of addiction in very low doses, getting very remarkable results in, in all sorts of autoimmune diseases, pain relief, and uh, many, many more areas. This is a call-in show. Please call in, 212-209-2877, and we can take your questions. Linda is probably one of the most uh, informed people on this subject in the whole planet, so it's it's such a pleasure to have you here, Linda. So what? how did you get this LDN Research Trust off the ground? I mean, it's one thing being an idea, and it's another thing to grow it to this absolutely amazing resource that you've done. So I was a woman on a mission, and I was, I'm from England, and you have to, to become a charity, you have to go through the charity commission and I was told no it's not a charitable uh, it doesn't fit the criteria to be a, a charitable organization because LDN is a drug so and it, <laughs> it was very difficult. for five months it was very difficult and I wouldn't be told no so they would ask me questions and it went from department to department to department. Once one department was happy, they sent the file to the next department and it was a case of starting off with even more questions. 
and I wouldn't be surprised at the number of people that I dealt with that I probably dealt with the uh, janitor as well. <laughs> I don't think there was anybody else left to talk to me. Um, they were very nice people and I would have to send them documentation, I'd have to send it by recorded delivery, make sure they'd got it, then I'd phone and say, have you got my letter? And they would say yes. And I was desperate, you know, and so what's the answer? You know, can we move on to the next step? Oh, it's diuretized for three weeks time. So it, that was really frustrating. Yes, they'd got everything, but no, they couldn't look at it. So it just went on and on and on. And eventually um, we got the charity status, but anybody who was faint hearted would have given in before then it was very very difficult very expensive as well um, but I it was at the back of my mind that I wanted to help these people who were like uh -huh. myself and, and that was my driving force and has been all the time um, it's become my way of life I run the charity from home um, I start when I wake up and I finish emails when I go to bed I work UK time, Europe time, New Zealand, Australia, Eastern time, Central time, <laughs> Western time. Um, and it's always so nice when doctors phone up that they, they're thinking of prescribing LDM for a patient and they want more information. And on our website, we update it monthly, the latest clinical trials, and you'd be surprised there are hundreds now um, and papers that have been published and we also have a section where LDN in the news and because we had so much information oh, three years ago it was rather difficult to navigate so we now have a search by condition data so from my point of view um, having a sclerosis you can actually search um, multiple sclerosis and it brings up all the clinical trials, papers, um, past conference presentations, interviews with doctors, researchers, pharmacists, etc. It's made it really easy to navigate looking for conditions and doctors find that really helpful as well if they're looking for um, a not such common condition. How many, how many conditions do you have listed there? Mm, I would say about 500 now. Wow. wow. There, there are a lot of conditions there. But we're also, um, if anybody is interested, we have a, um, a webinar this evening that's being held at Yale um, Lawrence Memorial Hospital for Medical Professionals. If a medical professional is listening and you'd like to attend, it's free and you can earn up to two and a half CME credits. Um, if you email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org, I will send that information to you. You can attend in person, it's in Connecticut, or you can watch the live stream. Um, we also, we, we had an LDN app which cost an absolute fortune to keep updating <laughs> every time Google Play or Apple the App Store 
did update, you had to update the app. So it was just like something you had to continually do. But we found another way around that we can have an app without going through the app store um, where people can put on their um, smartphones, tablets, PCs, Macs, and there are direct links to find a pharmacist, find a doctor, clinical trials, that kind of thing. So you and can get most of the things that are on your website you can, also with the yes. app? Oh, that's and amazing. there is also a health tracker app. So you can put in, you know, your, your journey from when you first started, did you have any side effects, how many doses did you try, uh, what dosage forms did you use, and then there's a journal, um, and we ask people if they will um, take part monthly. But it also gives quality of life, pain levels, mood, um, all kinds of exercise, all sorts of things. How many medications do you take? You know, uh -huh. Usually when people have been on an LDN for a few months, let's take fibromyalgia for example. Yes. Many people with fibromyalgia can take 14 different medications. Oh my gosh. And once they've been on LDN for a few months, they some of them take zero just LDN but some might just take three or four which uh -huh. is huge uh, you know um, to be able to drop that much but <clears throat> um, put myself off now but some people with all these medications the doctors keep adding another one you know you've got yes. you've yep. extra pain here or you've got problems with this and mm -hmm. every medication carries a list of side effects that could happen. You know, right. and some of the lists are as if they've been written on a toilet roll. I mean, there's so many. But of course, if you've got the chance of getting, let's say, 40, one of 40 side effects, and then the second medication has got 30 possible side effects, and the more you put in this cocktail people then end up with a horrible side effect so the doctors then say but that's okay we've got a tablet for that yes. so then you end up taking another medication to combat the side effects from the medication you're already taking and to me that is rather a slippery slope to go down when you um, get to that stage but you can understand people if their quality of life is really bad and they can't function and they're offered something to help, you try, wouldn't you? Yeah, it certainly would. So is you described how your MS progressed and you were certainly in a very, very dire situation. Will LDN uh, work better, quicker, faster if you, you haven't gotten to such extremes in the development of what's going wrong. Okay. There are many doctors now, which is mind-blowing, that want to use LDN as a first-line treatment. So oh. by using LDN first, before going on some of these heavy-duty um, toxic medications, we'll try LDN first. But uh -huh. I've had quite a few people contact me with MS who will say things like, oh, I've been diagnosed with MS, but 
I haven't got any symptoms. I'm absolutely fine. I'm just looking into LDN for the future. So I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. But how about if you start it now and you don't go downhill? Yeah. Doesn't that seem like a good idea? And then yeah, some people will say, oh, but I don't want to take um, any medication. You know, so it's, it's, it's tricky. And I have found it very difficult over the years to let people decide for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, when LDM worked really well for me, I knew a young man who's not so young now, I think he's about 40, um, but he had Crohn's since the age of seven and he was always having parts of his bowel removed, I mean, he's really, really ill. Um, and I was telling him about LDM and he knew how well LDM worked for me and he said, not really interested unless my... Uh, my gastroenterologist tells me. Uh, I'm so so I'm, I have to respect people's decisions. You know, I can't make people do something they don't want to do. So I give people all the information and let them make up their own minds and answer any questions that they may have. That's what we're all about on this program, take charge of your health. And I can't think of a better example of what you've done. And even in this extremely dire situation, some people would just accept that and count themselves. Their, their days are limited and uh, they're going to suffer because that's what your doctor told you. Uh, I think we've reached a place where our medical professionals are being actually um, controlled into offering only this and that, and it's usually decided by committee. And you have what I call flowchart medicine, if this and that, and doctors aren't allowed to deviate. They're not allowed to try what may be the best thing for the patient. Some years ago, I came across some... Um, papers, and it was called N of 1 studies, and I believe this is probably the most uh, scientific method and really illustrates what the practice of medicine should be, that you, you have a patient, a person present themselves with a problem, and you have a potential solution, so you try that solution, and then if it hasn't done as well as you'd like, then you have a little bit of a washout period and try another solution. And this indeed had been what the practice of medicine would be. Like you'd have dozens of N of one situations with your patients through the day and documenting this and looking for the best solution for, for the person in need of help. Is, is really, truly a scientific method. There's so much that is flawed with what we're doing with huge, big, double-blind, placebo, crossover tests, that the individual's reaction or opportunities are really uh, being squashed by that kind of, of attitude. And I think we need to go back to it. We need medical practitioners who do consider 
more than one pathway when you're not confined by their big medical, um, uh, what is it, business, I guess, uh, the big medical business with the big buildings and everybody is charged with doing a certain thing and only that, whether it's helpful or not, this is what we do. And uh, the big hospitals operate that way too, to try and use something that has potential. It's sometimes really difficult to get a practitioner to shift because they are really burdened by all this uh, administrative uh, forces that want them to do just certain things for certain people and that's it. And so many patients will present to their medical professional with all these symptoms and they look at the symptoms of treating the symptoms but what we should be doing is looking at the cause that is creating those symptoms. That's right. And uh, sort of like a medical detective. And it's, it's really amazing to me. Uh, there are so many situations where uh, people present themselves to their doctor. They're given some routine tests. But the tests aren't designed to find the cause um, of those symptoms. And just using maybe a different panel, uh, you get a whole whole different situation. I just had a young woman who was having trouble with obesity and acne and difficult periods. And I put together a test panel for her. And I was so thrilled when it came back because there were so many... Uh, things that were out of whack. Now, if we had not done the specific tests that uh, I recommended, she could have taken a normal uh, blood chemistry and CBC that is done routinely in, in doctor's offices and never saw the things that were really off. And, and once you see something that's gone a bit off, now you have a direction to help them address what's really going on. And I, I think that's that's a problem. And I've often said to people, when you're um, doing tests, maybe ask the question of um, what is this test going to reveal and what plan of action can you do when something is revealed? Because there's testing, too, that um, there's nothing you can do with it after you had a test because nobody knows what to do with it. Uh, a test that has come up lopsided. So it's, it's, it's a real, real challenge. We are getting pretty close to the end of our show, Linda, and I'd like to make sure people have all the resources they need from you. And I'd also like you to um, uh, have a few final words for this program. This is uh, a possibility of treatment that has so many opportunities for people if they want to explore it. And unlike the uh, horrible time you had getting it started, it really took a lot of work to get that initiative started. Now you help people um, in, in numerous ways to make it easier for themselves to, to get this started. So go ahead. Why don't you start with the invitation to the webinar and then your, your pages. Okay, so it's a medical professional webinar. 
Afterwards, um, patients can watch it as well. There are two pain specialists, Dr. Neil Mehta and Dr. Samir Data, and pharmacist, Dr., um, pharmacist Stephen Dixon, who will be talking about the history and mechanism of action of LDM. <clears throat> if you want to either attend live or the live stream or watch the recording, send me an email, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org, and I will reply to you and send you the links you need. And our website is ldnresearchtrust.org. We also have two Facebook groups. We have a Medical Professionals Only, which is hidden, secret, private, <laughs> Again, if you are a medical professional interested, you have to fill a form in first to be verified you are a medical professional. Again, use that email. We also have, there are medical professionals in this group as well as patients, the main LDN Research Trust Facebook group, and I think we have getting on for nearly 50,000 um, people in there. Wow. We are on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So we do a lot of social media. And our radio shows, we turn into videos. So they are also on um, YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. And we have a radio show, <clears throat> which is audio only, which goes on to about 20-something radio show platforms including iTunes, Spotify, you know, Google and Amazon iPod, all the other platforms that I must admit I've never even heard of. Um, but people find us and, you know, we have over a thousand people a day either listening or watching. It's quite amazing. The website is very, very comprehensive. It's really well worth a look if you're a medical professional or a patient and want to learn more and there's always the contact us form so if anybody has any questions we're happy to reply we are lucky enough to have some fantastic medical advisors who will answer um, medical questions for us okay so i will put some of that on our facebook page take charge of your health with corinne and carol and if you would linda one more minute for some last remarks Thought for me, Carol. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the the take home message would be, you know, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you're told, there is always hope of improving your health. I think never give up. I have witnessed so many people over the years who have been told nothing more can be done and they accept that and they go downhill very very quickly